0: are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration. Passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am your host, Janine Garner, and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you to this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Now, today I am talking to the incredible Alison Hill. Imagine that you had an idea for a business. Imagine you had a relative newborn at home and you weren't quite sure of how you're going to bring that business to life. Imagine thinking that the only way you could do it would be to pack up your TV for three months and every time baby went to bed, you would work on developing that business idea, developing your intellectual property so that you could go to market. That's exactly what Alison Hill did. She is a registered psychologist and also the CEO of three times Australian Financial Review's Fast 100 company list. Uh, Pragmatic Thinking is her company. Uh, she has been awarded the Educator of the Year. She is a businesswoman. She's a keynote speaker. Uh, she works with companies such as Virgin Australia, Suncorp, PepsiCo, McDonald's, to name but a few, and the author of two best selling books, as well as podcast host and producer of the podcast Stand Out Life, where she digs into the stories behind some of the world's greatest thought leaders and talents who lead truly awe-inspiring lives. Well, I reckon Alison Hill leads a truly awe-inspiring life now. She lives um, up the coast in Queensland. She has got an incredible business with our husband, Darren Hill. And as we were talking, it became really clear that She has this unique ability to keep experimenting, to keep evolving, to keep uh, gaining new perspective, to amend how she runs her business, the products that she goes to market with, and uh, essentially how she continues to uh, pursue this desire for wisdom and growth. Um, As she said, her passion is about making work work exceptionally well in workplaces. She wants to role model cultural magnificence in her own business, but also works with other organizations of how to do that right here, right now. And in this current climate of incredible change, as we're all re-emerging and recovering and re-imagining what our workplaces should look like, um, Alison's approach to building cultures, uh, definitely is well worth looking into. In this podcast, we she shares her story to hear and also shares some, some incredible insights and words of wisdom that we can all put into place tomorrow. So sit back, relax, and please enjoy this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance with the amazing Alison Hill. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance and I am so excited to have as my guest today the fabulous Ally Hill. I actually had the uh, the joy of uh, being a guest on Ali's incredible podcast last week, Standout Life Live is the name of her podcast and it's so good to be able to turn the tables now on you. Ali, welcome to today's podcast.
0: Thank you Janine. Look, I'm really, really excited as well. I almost, um, I love the excitement for us just to chat every uh every Wednesday so maybe we should just do this for the rest of the year <laughs> oh maybe we
1: should we can create our own tv show or do something you've we got could. the technology there now
0: <laughs> yeah let's do it
1: <laughs> oh you've planted a seed watch this space um but but therein is is the interesting piece isn't it there's opportunity to connect and and to communicate. Um and, and the importance in building those connections, which I know is something you're passionate about. How how has that supported you as you've built your your business and unlocked the career and
0: life that you have? The power oh, of connection. So important, so important. And um I mean I think the people I look up to who do connection so well, you are absolutely up there with them uh, when it comes to collaboration and networking. And, um, you know, for me, it, it is those, the people that we connect with, the people that are in our corner, um, the people who... I mean, there's so many people that I I value in my world, but one of the things that I do look for in connection is the people that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the people who will pull you up, who will challenge your thinking, who will uh, not just the ones that go, oh, that's great and everything's fantastic and um I guess almost gush for want of a better word, I really, really value and uh, invest the time in the people around me who will, um, I guess, be real and, and call things out. Um, and so for me in, I think, pretty much everything I've done um, in business, uh, in um Growing our team, in writing a couple of books, uh, it's all been about the connection of people. It's ne- nothing's ever done on your own, as as you say, and as you know, uh it, it's that team of people that's around you. I have the great value um, and opportunity of also being in business with my husband. And so mm. everything we do is through connection, through conversations, and plenty of people say to me. How do you work together? How do you live together? (laughs) Um, But it is that constant challenging each other, um, constantly uh, calling each other out, uh, calling each other up into new ways of kind of stretching. So even from my most uh, important and intimate, you know, connection with uh, my amazing husband, Darren, to the connections with friends as well as, you know, other business people who I admire, connection has been just so critical.
1: I love the point that you mentioned there about um, it's almost a difference between um, a whole heap of superficial connections that, that are in your world because of either the work that you do or the impact that you're having versus those people that will actually uh pull you up or give you tell you I think you said tell me what I need to hear have you got an example of that when you look back is there someone that you go oh my god I hated that moment but (laughs) wow it really was a moment that I needed to hear
0: oh um yeah there's plenty there's plenty there's probably um yeah, I mean I've I've got a number. Uh Darren does it really really well for me. Um he 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 knows me too well. Um I mean one of the one of the beautiful things, but also one of the downsides of being a a psychologist is I can duck and weave really, really well talking about myself um, because I'm very, very good at engaging other people to talk about themselves. And so it does take someone who can tune in and who knows me well to call me out on my own bullshit. Um, Mm. And Darren does that exceptionally well. So there'll be, you know, stories that we tell ourselves and I have those stories that I tell myself around, I'm not good enough. um, Who am I to do this anyway? That actually, holds me back um, and I use it really, really well for a procrastination technique. Well, I won't do it because, you know, who am I anyway? Um, And so, yeah, Darren's definitely done that for me on a number of different projects where he'll pull me up and go, hang on, that's just absolute bullshit (laughs) and you need to put yourself out there. Um, I also, in writing um, my book, and the book is called Stand Out, um, I had a number of friends who was kind of help, who were helping me craft that, um, and when I say friends who were helping me craft it, people who were giving me tissues as I sat on their couch, bawling my eyes out, <laughs> saying, mm. "What am I doing here?" Um, and you know, the big challenge about that book for me was that it was called Stand Out, and I really needed to challenge myself to be seen to stand out, to do the very thing that I desired so strongly for the people around me, for the people I was essentially writing the book for, that it was probably so confronting to go, actually, I need to live this Uh, and I need to inform my experience in how hard this is to stand out. Um, And it's not about notoriety or, you know, anything like that. It's actually just standing in your own truth um and being seen that um yeah I do remember a particular day sitting on a couch of my um very very good friend who just I was absolutely in tears going, what am I writing this book for? And she said, this is so needed, but it's also needed for you and you need to keep writing. Um, Mm. And that's one of those moments a friend who goes sucker punches you between the eyes and says, Right, keep going patches you back oh. up and pops you back out there.
1: And thank goodness you did, because it really is such a great read, that that book. Um, you know, this whole concept of finding purpose and becoming the boss. I think your your tagline has something like become the boss of busy. So I, I absolutely love love that book. Now you touched on the fact that you're a registered psychologist that has become a business owner and not just a business owner but a business owner with your husband Mm. um and there's so many questions around this but (laughs) but first of all tracking back um can you can you remember that moment when you decided you wanted to become a psychologist and what was it that triggered it
0: yeah this is a really good um question not with a lightning bolt moment unfortunately Mm. i um like everyone else who was going through high school and starting to figure out where you 're going to go, um, i was drawn to, I was definitely drawn to um, jobs in the health sector, so looking at psychology, but I was also looking at occupational therapy. I really loved um, words and people 's stories and crafting people 's stories. so I was actually also tossing around journalism um, as a, as another idea and another option. But the decision pathway for me, one of the things I knew I wanted to do after high school was to have a gap year. And it's very Australian, um, but to have a gap year over in the UK. Uh, So I was also crafting my decisions about where I might look for further study or university to a university that I was able to defer for a year and not every university gives you that opportunity. Um, And so I settled on a couple, uh, one of those being Griffith University. When I looked at my short list of um, degrees that I was quite interested in applying for, the Bachelor of Behavioural Science, which is a psychology degree, um, you needed the highest mark of my list of degrees in order to get into that degree. And so my rational sense went, well, because it's the highest mark, I'll put that one at the top. And (laughs) I got the mark to be able to get into that one. I was able to defer for 12 months and had 12 months over in in the UK um, and then came back and and started the course. Uh, And so that doesn't sound romantic, but as it turned out, I... um, I landed on my feet because once I got into the course, I absolutely loved it. I was one of these unusual um, kids going through school that I I actually loved both English and maths. Uh, many people will say like one or th- one one of those is their strength. I mm. um, had a real affinity for for words and language and descriptions and, as I said, people's stories, uh, but I also love maths because there was a right and wrong answer. Uh, you could figure things out and when you think of a psychology degree, it's actually a science degree. So there's a huge amount of experiments and statistics and, um, you know, hypotheses that you make around different behavioural uh, patterns of human behavior human, um, behaviour. So, I loved the combination of the two. So, it's not the counselling course where you just kind of lying on a couch and listening to people's stories. It's absolutely a science course and I actually didn't realise that until I got into the degree uh, but I loved it even more once I was in, in um, doing the course.
1: And then you... Decided to to build a business, um, pragmatic thinking, which has achieved some fabulous accolades in terms of three times uh, AFRs Training Financial Review Fast One Hundred Company. And as you've said a few times, your your husband's in that business with you. Well, how did, how did that come about?
0: yeah it's um there's probably a few stages to how that came about. We were living up in Darwin um after we got married, we decided we wanted to go adventuring somewhere and uh, Darren also wanted to get a degree. So, not only are we married and in business together, I have a psychology background, he also has a psychology background. Um, so, a lot of people go, how? again, how does that work? Yeah, inner um, conversations must be fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> we know each other's tricks. So I can just let you know that. Now. Yeah. Um, But, you know, as he was doing his um, degree in Darwin, I think he was realising just, you know, how amazing some of the research is and how applicable it is to the workplace. Both of us had a background in training, so delivering training sessions and really enjoyed doing that. Um, And I... Um, fell pregnant with our, with our first child, Patrick. And it was actually when we were on maternity leave, when I was on maternity leave, Pat was only a couple of months old, that we decided to have a go at writing some training programs that we thought would be applicable to the workplace because the, the training programs we were seeing were really old. Uh, they were using John Place videos from the 1980s and, um, weren't kind of incorporating some of this research about what we know from psychology and human behaviour. And so we literally packed up our television for three months and like put it in a box. And every night when Pat went down for a sleep, we would work um, at the dinner table Uh, creating a program and our first program was called courage as a skill and we spent time at night writing this program we designed up this beautiful workbook uh, that we paid a designer to do we actually got a copy of the workbook printed off that cost us a hundred dollars for one workbook it was ridiculously overpriced Um, and uh, we'd written this entire program Uh, We then took that to market. We had kind of 12 conversations with people in heads of HR and learning and development in in various government departments in Darwin and ended up getting work out of those conversations. Funnily enough, we've actually to this day never sold that program, Courage as a Skill, because no one ever really bought it, but they saw the potential in it. Um, So, for us, it really just kind of started organically, was going, hey, this is an area of interest. We dedicated the time to it and then started to have conversations. Um, And our first year, we thought, look, if we can earn what we would earn in wages in the business, then we'll keep going. Um, And we ended up earning that in six months, where we Mm -hmm. were hoping to do that in 12. Uh, And then the business just kind of grew and doubled from there. That was... Um, we the business had a different name in Darwin. We ended up selling that business in Darwin and moving down to the Gold Coast where we rebranded to Pragmatic Thinking uh, and we made every business mistake under the under the sky and ended up essentially rebuilding the business again. So the same trajectory that we had in Darwin, we pretty much started again once we moved down to the Gold Coast. But whilst we have been now doing that for probably 13 years, for the first 10 years of that, we were a practice. So organisations bought Darren or myself um, as either the trainers or the presenters or the speakers around a particular topic. The decision to build a business um, mm. is actually a different story. <laughs> mm. um, it, it was a decision to s- To go, can we grow it beyond us? Uh, We were also talking to organizations around change and culture and performance. Can you actually invest in culture and be a financially viable business? And so part of it for us was an experiment to go, can we do that ourselves? Can we focus on culture and have a successful, fast growth business as well? Um, And so Probably for about two years, we kept going to our accountant. We had the best accountant in the world and the accountant would say to us, look, you've got enough to hire, you know, one staff and we would walk away and hire three and they would come back and say, oh gosh, okay, right, well now you can have one more and we'd go and hire three more (laughs) and so just kind of kept in investing in the business um, and kept growing it that way
1: and you talk about it being an experiment
0: to start with what what have you learned about
1: yourselves as being part of that experiment oh so
0: much janine how long have you got oh, a <laughs> <from> huge <laughs> amount um so much i mean the the growth path from um leadership uh there's a huge amount we've learnt from business and business acumen um money uh cash flow um individually, the, the growth in um, and certainly the first year, 18 months, when you are growing a business like that, you are stretched in every single direction because you are doing mm. everything. You are training and onboarding new people. You are doing quality assurance. You're running all the back end from a, a business um, production point of view. And we were still front of house. So we were still the face and the name of the brand. And putting everything um, out there. So it was um, huge for that first kind of probably 12 to 24 months uh, until we gotten to the point where. you know, other facilitators were then getting clients who were saying, hey, we want, we want to work with, you know, this facilitator um, rather than, than working with us. So, uh, you then learn how can you manage your own energy um, as well as still being present for the people that you need to lead. Um, the, you know, the investment in, in culture has been absolutely front of mind for us. So even in our business, our, our intent and purpose is how do we make work an extraordinary experience for individuals in workplaces? And I believe that it's possible. Now, it's not to say extraordinary experiences means it's always going to be awesome. Work should be challenging. There should be times when you feel stretched and you get frustrated by it. But through that, how do you grow? And how does that then become something extraordinary, something you become proud of? Uh, And secondary to our purpose is how can we become a role model of cultural magnificence. Now, culture, uh, our culture is great and it needs work. Like every great culture on the planet is how do you continue to invest in that and grow in that? So, one of the things I love and, and where I have learnt is continually checking in and seeing, you know, what strategies are working with our team uh, in order if for us to then serve our clients and, and the people that we partner with um, and continually changing and investing in that is, uh, is a constant growth cycle. But it's both growth for the business and a huge amount of personal growth.
1: So you, there's, there's
0: so much in that
1: too. You, you talk about starting the business as an experiment and you're also continuing to talk about um, this need to continually assess and reassess and experiment and try, uh, try things out to see the impact of it, whether it be from a team perspective, a growth strategy, or even, as you said, the, the cultural building up, the cultural magnificence within your own business. That that ability to ex, ex- experiment and evolve and uh, almost gain perspective. Try something. See if it works. Have you always been like that? Do you think, Ali, or is it something that you've learned over
0: time? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great question, Janine. I think I've always had that essence of um, trying and testing and and playing um, mm. and just seeing how pieces put together. I very much grew up with two parents who. Um, you know, question the world and had curiosity and um, invested in, you know, my mum very much so, invested in personal growth. She had, um, you know, all the books under the sun. She was she was also um, a very committed, had a very, very strong faith um, as a, you know, Christian. So growing up, we, we would often go to church and Sunday school. But even in that, she would question the way things work and how can we turn up differently and what does God mean about all of this (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I definitely grew up around those conversations um probably more so from my mum overtly than my dad. But one of the things my dad did give me, he was a a scientist by background. He worked in um, State Forests in New South Wales. So we always lived in amazing scenic places, places close to forestry and national parks. And so, uh, you know, weekends were going out bushwalking or going down a fire trail that dad had found, you know, in his week of work and and going exploring. And so that connection to nature, I think any for anyone, for any of us, any time we are out in nature, there's something about wonder and curiosity and how does that work and where does this come from and why do those birds come out at this time or and why do they nest up there and not down here? Um, that I think was part and parcel of growing up and has absolutely served me and uh, my personality and who I am.
1: And so there's this need to keep experimenting or this curiosity about what's next. How do you how do you see that playing out right now in terms of the challenges that either your clients are facing or the industry in which, you operate is facing what do you see as the biggest challenges out there right now um, in terms of the work that you do and therefore why it's why it matters
0: yeah i um i mean i think any we're constantly going through change anyway so even though now we're at a we're in an environment of change in workplaces that we literally have not seen for decades and decades um, the sheer requirements that that workplaces are being asked to put into place is uh, I think it's impacting everyone, every workplace. Some workplaces, they're doubling down. For some workplaces, they've significantly reduced um, and some have changed how they've worked. Um, I think that that experimenting or exploration is just starting to hear the messages and starting to um, hear the trends, and so one of the ways that I do that is just through conversations. Conversations with the uh, the amazing clients that we we get the opportunity to partner with. Um, what are some of their concerns? What are they hearing? Uh, I and there is this really interesting trend at the moment where this trend towards working from home or uh, the terminologies around working from anywhere uh, distributed teams. There's this real kind of um, polarity or paradox where I'm hearing a huge amount of people saying, I love it and I don't want to go back. And in fact, it's working for me. It's working for my mental health. It's working for my family. Um, and I'm also hearing organisations that are at huge trepidation about how do we get people back? Will we get people back to workplaces? Should we get people back? Uh, Maybe we keep going this way. And if we do, then what does that mean for the way that we lead? What does that mean for the way that we engage? What does that mean for the way that we connect? So I guess some of the trends I'm, I'm hearing and seeing are people going, We literally don't know uh, what it's going to be like or how to step into this new phase. But there's also a real wave of excitement. So, I think if we come back to our purpose as a business, uh, that wanting work to be an extraordinary experience – I think that is still absolutely critical and people are craving that. It's just how do we now do it in the way that we connect differently, we might engage with work differently uh, and what work means to us might have a slightly different angle but it's absolutely still really, really important even in this face of just crazy changes. Mm. What
1: what sort of things have you initi- initiated already within your business as part of, you know, role modelling what cultural magnificence means?
0: There's, uh, in terms of some of the things that we have put into place in our business, um, there's a number of things and we share this with clients. Uh, with clients and certainly have incorporated into a couple of programs that we've developed specifically for uh, how to lead teams virtually. Uh, Mm. So, one of the rhythms we have put into place, something that we did really, really early on when the team started working from home. So, for us, it was very easy to move to that transition to working from home. Um, a lot of our, you know, we, we were able to make that move and the team slipped into that very, very quickly. But we had, uh, two mornings where we had really, really clear conversations about our team identity in amongst this change. Um, and we crafted a, what we called a team identity chart, which has a number of questions on it. And they're questions like, um, what are we proud of? Uh, for us as a team going through this change? Um, What do others value about us as a team? So for us, that's us thinking about the, you know, the clients and customers we partner with. If you're a team inside an organisation, then it might be what do other teams value about our team uh, within this organisation? So that was really interesting to hear that. Uh, Mm. Questions around who do we need to be in amongst this change and uncertainty? Um, And then the, the two questions that were incredibly valuable were what does it look like when we are operating well as a team, particularly with us working from home, and what does it look like when we're not operating well? And it was so great just to get that feedback from, from the entire team and we we collated that into this team charter as we step into the, to the unknown and this uncertainty. The kinds of things we heard were, you know, if we're not operating well, then we start to pull back from conversations. We're not reaching out to each other. We don't call out the, you know, the, the assumptions and the stories in our head. We sit on them and we let them fester. Um, when we are operating well, we're doing the opposite of those. We're reaching out to others, um, even in amongst the unknown. We're having the hard conversations, even virtually. Um, and we're probably at a point now where it's time for us to revisit that team identity piece and come back to, okay, a few months on, who are we now and who do we need to be? So that's definitely one of the rhythms that, um, and key conversations that we've put into our culture
1: something really interesting in in what you've just said there too around I think you literally said I think we're probably at a time now where we need to go back and review this again, mm. and that concept of um, again it comes back to everything you keep talking about this 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 desire this this unconscious opportunity within you that keeps experimenting and checking and gaining perspective and trying something else but that that concept of Only literally three months ago you did it and now let's refresh it. How important do you think that that type of behavior, that that need and willingness to refresh, to recheck, to gain new perspective is important in organizations as they're navigating through this recovery or reimagine or reemergence phase, whatever we want to label it, the fact that you know we used to set thirty day, ninety day, one year, two year. I worked for a Japanese company at one stage, and we were on ten year plans. Yeah. Um, it's
0: like haven't they gone out the window?
1: <laughs> I know, right? Do you remember? I like, seriously, no idea. Um, but yeah that 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 just in terms of that comment and your willingness to yes we did this work 3 months ago but we now need to do it again so mm. that that concept how important is it for individuals and businesses to keep rechecking to keep
0: re- reassessing look i think it's absolutely critical and even outside of covid-19 and the impacts on workplaces what i know and certainly the research we've done of great teams great teams are the ones that are continually talking about and checking in on their identity. Who are Hmm. we? What do we want to be known for? And how has that changed? Because it changes all the time, right? Even if you have the same people, the kind of work that you are doing is different. Uh, It's highly likely at the moment and certainly in the last three months, and this is true for our team, our team is different. There were people who were part of our team three months ago who are actually no longer with our team. And so, the And even if the people are the same and the work is the same, then the way that you do that work is different. It's constantly evolving and it's constantly changing. So, I know and I know from research that great teams continually having have these conversations about our identity. Who are we? How are we serving? And what has changed? And, and does it still fit? Who do we need to be now. Um, And I think it's true for individuals. Uh, I think it's true for families, uh, marriages, all of those kind of critical relationships that we have is to constantly be checking in and going, who are we? Who have we become in the last uh, 90 days? And who do we want to become in the next 90 days? Um, So, I actually think these are really, really important conversations anyway uh, I actually think it's amplified by the sheer velocity of change and the change that we are in given that teams are as I said potentially themselves looking at well what did we deliver what did we do what value did we add three months ago uh, I reckon it's probably changed in the last three months and Mm. it's highly likely that it'll change in the next three months so I think it's critical that teams come back to this question of who are we uh who do we need to be uh and what are we proud of what do we want to be known for um and and then secondary to that and probably one of the conversations we definitely have with our team is do our behaviors match that identity So, if we say we want to be a team that um, is big fans of each other, like one of our values in our business is that we are each other's biggest fans. And that's great to say. Um, And that can be an identity or a value that goes up on the wall. But it means absolutely nothing if the behaviours don't match it. If we can't point to something that says, and here's an example of someone in our team who, who exemplified it who was talking to, um, you know, someone that we were partnering with and absolutely raving about their colleague. Uh, so it's, it's also checking in on are the behaviours, are what we're doing matching what we want to be known for? Because it doesn't matter what the identity you come up with if the behaviours aren't aligned to that.
1: And that's why you need that complete honesty in the or the, the the safe environment such that people are brave enough to challenge when the behaviours are misaligned, uh, both within your own business, but we're seeing it in organisations, communities, large and small around the world, where we say one thing, but the behaviours are misaligned. It takes
0: a lot of courage to step up and call that out, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And the truth is, we all fall short of it all the time like I would love Mm. to be a person that says I prioritize health health is really important to me and yet there are days and if I think about it the last three days I haven't done any exercise Mm. so my behavior doesn't match the identity I want to become now that's okay but I need to in the next few days do something about that I need to change that identity or else over time if you know three days turns into a week, turns into a month, then my behaviours aren't aligned to me saying health is really important because I haven't prioritised it. So absolutely, I think honesty, um, the emotional safety, the psychological safety to be able to call that out of each other um, and call that out collectively as a team is really, really critical and probably now more important than ever because we don't have – and certainly for many teams, they're not having these conversations face to face. We're now having them over Zoom and it's a quite a different conversation. Um mm. and so it is it is important to still have that sense of honesty and and truth telling. Um we're now just doing that in a in a different platform. So
1: in the context of this this podcast, which is all about unleashing brilliance, um, and in the context of the business that that you're running, uh, which has um, got its own goals and dreams for itself, but also is doing incredible work for organisations around the world, how, how do you? And in the context of the fact that you are married to a um, fellow owner of the business, how do, how do you? help how do you unleash your own brilliance and how do you help each other be the best version of themselves when your whole life is so intertwined yeah um
0: again million dollar question oh. <laughs> and um you know i i love getting uh challenged in this and what i mean by that and it almost comes back to what i said before is the intention versus um the behavior at times i um I think very similar to you, Janine, I think brilliance comes from coming from a really good state and place yourself. And so one of the conversations Darren and I have fairly constantly is how are we feeling? Uh, Where's our energy level at? Mm. And so even for the last... um, Oh, we've known it for a while, but probably more so over the last month. We absolutely have prioritised sleep. Uh, I know for me, I'm not a better person if I'm not prioritising sleep. Um, I used to blame it on travelling quite a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But now, given travel, I haven't been travelling, um, that I've realised that it's not always the travel. Uh, and it actually requires a really conscious prioritisation of actually saying to yourself, "Radio, I'm going to, you know, turn off all, any screens an hour before going to bed, um, really, you know, p- close up my day and do what I can to, to rest. Uh, so I know for me that it is that um, prioritisation on health, on sleep, on mental wellbeing, on getting out and moving. Um, We live in Corrumbin on the Gold Coast. So we live in just the most amazing, beautiful place. And if I have gone for a period of time where I haven't been down to the beach for a walk, or there's some beautiful uh, bushwalks and hikes and trails very, very close to where we are. um, If I haven't made that at a a priority. Um, I'm, I'm worse for it. I'm snappier. I'm mm. just a bit crankier. I'm uh, a bit more anxious and a bit more on edge. And so it's really, really critical to do that. So it is something that Darren and I often talk about. And usually, you know, at the end of um, the end of the night, most of us will will often have a conversation going. Hey, what are you going to do tomorrow morning? Um, do you want to go out for a run? And if you go down to the beach, I'll stay and do something close to home. So we're we'll, we're constantly kind of checking in and creating space for each other in order to focus on um, health and well being, so that we can then yeah turn up that best version of ourselves but Janine we fail all the time <laughs> we there piss we each are. other off and we get cranky at <laughs> each other and you know so I know I'm painting the ideal but it's not always that easy
1: <laughs> what are you as we sort of bring this um, and I, I'm with you I think the key is you've got to get back up again and go oh damn yeah. I've let myself and you down again. I must start again. Yeah. Um. And and that awareness is is the most powerful thing, really. If you know why you're feeling cranky, and it's because you haven't done the exercise or the walk on the beach, which, by the way, Corumbin is stunning. I was up there last year. Um. You know, at least that's part of the gift, isn't it, uh, of having that awareness. So, so in in terms of you know serving our our listeners that may be listening right now. Um, you know what are the let's say the three tips that you would give them about helping them what they need to think about to to become better to unleash their brilliance through your own
0: experience um the top three now there's a challenge I know (laughs) um well I'm going to start where I just left off I think the number one is prioritizing sleep I think um Everything else hangs off that I know, I know that's almost sounds like well that that's too easy, but it is incredibly hard to do consistently um, and I know for me the weeks and the times that I do that it changes the game. I feel more creative, I feel more focused, uh, I feel more rested and more able to cope with whatever's kind of coming at me, um, whether it's hard decisions or hard conversations. So number one would absolutely be prioritizing sleep. Um, number two, and this is this is a conversation I've been having with organizations and leaders uh, lately, because I think we are going through a huge amount of change, is putting a voice to how you are feeling. And plenty of people don't have the language to describe that. So they're just going, oh, I just feel a bit yuck all over the place. So actually increasing our emotional literacy, being able to find the language to describe and understand, um, I use the terminology, it's a little bit like wine appreciation, is understanding the blend of emotions that are going on. Uh, When we first just start looking into, you know, understanding wine, all we know is that there is red and white Um, Mm. and it's a little bit like emotions I either feel good or I feel bad but I don't know what else is underneath that and the more that you start to I guess appreciate wine or you can understand the differences in white you might you know taste the difference between a Chardonnay and a Blanc, for example Um, and then the more you can kind of get into that depth you might You know, notice the undertones, or even be able to pick out the difference of a Chardonnay from Margaret River versus a Chardonnay from the Barossa Valley. So, and the same as in understanding our own emotional language is actually being able to get down and go, well, what's my unique emotional blend going on at the moment? Do I feel frustrated, disappointed, but also relieved? Uh, Is there a blend of feeling? You know, excited but nervous, and maybe also a little bit anxious and pissed off. Mm. And so, what's that blend? And I don't think we give ourselves the voice to do that. I had the great advantage of um, chatting on the on the podcast Standout Life with a fellow that we both know, um, a beautiful fellow called Michael Henderson, who's a corporate mm. anthropologist, and he shared with me that when we acknowledge what is going on for us emotionally, um, that acknowledgement is freedom. That often we don't need to do anything, but when we can acknowledge it, the weight Mm. of that emotional response actually dissipates. It's when we pay attention to it, that it actually loses its impact um, on how we're feeling. So acknowledging that acknowledging what's going on would be my number two. So I get that was a very long-winded answer to number two. Um, But I think giving voice to what's going on for us. So the first one sleep, voicing your emotions. Um, And I think the third one, I'm going to come back to your area of expertise, Janine, but I think it's surrounding yourself with amazing people. Mm. Um, I think it's that networking and gathering the people around you who through that – you'll get clear on the things that matter to you, your purpose, your passion, the things that light you up, the things that press your buttons, the things that you hate. Um, but gathering the people around you, I know for me, that's been the thing that has just helped infinitely uh, for me at whatever it is to go to that next level, to go to that next stage, it's been the people around me. That's just fabulous, and I, I couldn't agree more um, in
1: terms of, and I love that second that 2nd point, the acknowledgement about how you're feeling, because it's incredible how many people surface level will say, I'm fine, um, I'm doing all right, but it's only through that digging deep when they finally acknowledge that things may not be great or even may be great, and acknowledging that, that there's an opportunity to, to move forward. So thanks for sharing that. My last question for you, Alison, is... What you know, we often you I know you've got two incredible kids, by the way. Your your son's TV show that he's doing on rugby Yes, we How night. good is that? It's fabulous. <laughs> uh yeah, so I sat down with my little fella Carter and uh, we watched your son's YouTube channel, which is just brilliant. Um but you've got you know two incredible children, and and I'm sure that you know you're constantly asking other people uh, and encourage them them to be whatever they want to be when they grow up my my closing question for you is is actually what do, what do you want to be remembered for
0: mm. um that's a great question isn't that that beautiful kind of legacy question mm-hmm. um i really get drawn to wisdom um and I see it as kind of my next phase of life I think wisdom is one of those things that you never reach you never get to that Mm. point of going okay I've made it I'm now wise I think it's a constant pursuit um but I would like to be known for someone who sought wisdom who didn't just take things as they was Uh, were, and I think that probably comes back to the thread of what we've been talking about, is that exploring and experimenting and asking the Mm. questions. Um, And through that wisdom, you know, people almost got to see themselves even better or even more through that wisdom. Um, And I think the other thing that comes to mind for me, and it's one that I feel like, Plenty of times I fall short on, in fact, a lot of times I fall short on, but I would like to be known for being kind. Mm. I think there's real power in kindness. Uh, I think it's that sense that people walk away having felt felt better um, and knowing more about themselves through it. I think they're the two threads that come to mind. Well,
1: I can absolutely advocate for your kindness, Alison. We've crossed past a few times in terms of our work and at every single moment you have shown the most incredible kindness and support for my work and what I do. And I've seen um, the impact that your kindness has on so many other people through the work that you do. So um, you're already living and breathing that and I can't wait to to be able to sit and have a cup of tea in person or walking and talking down Corumbin Beach and making some magic together it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today
0: oh you're a superstar Janine I've just loved it and loved uh, the time to explore and connect with you I love the work that you're doing the way you call out brilliance to the people around you and I'm reserving a spot at Corumbin Beach for you next time you're up this way that'd be fantastic I'll absolutely be there thanks Ali <laughs> thanks Janine We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.